Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. This is episode number 23 with our guest, Pat Obuchowski. Here we go. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing. Hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Hey there, hey there, welcome into the studio. Look at that on-air button, shining bright. We are ready to go, I am ready to go. I hope you are too. You are tuned directly into The Hidden Entrepreneur Show, and I am your host, Josh Carey. My guest today has such a fascinating, fantastic, brilliant story and line of success. I'm just so thrilled to be uh, entering into this conversation. Get this. She is the founder of Envisionaria, which is an executive leadership and team coaching company. She's also the creator of, and I love this, Gutsy Women Win, which is dedicated to supporting and encouraging women leaders around the world. To make matters even better, she's the author of the best-selling books, Gutsy Women Win, How to Get Gutsy and Get Going, Gutsy Leaders, 140 Bits of Wisdom to Build Great Teams with Vision and Compassion, and perhaps one of my favorites, Success Starts Today, which features herself and the Jack Canfield. Cannot wait to hear about all that. Her vision through the connections you make, the support you receive, and the inspiration you find in and give to others. You have the power to make your dreams a reality. Let's turn the microphone over and please help me welcome, it's our guest today, Pat Obuchowski. How's it going, Pat? It's great. I'm doing really excellent today. Thank you, Josh. My absolute pleasure. So yes, thank you. Thank you. So you have, it seems like you've cornered the, the gutsy brand. So let's dive right into that. How do you define gutsy? What does that really mean to be gutsy? Yeah, for me, the way that I define Gutsy is all about having the courage to be able to step into something that you may never have done previously, merely because you know that you are the one that must do it in the world, in your world, right? And by world, I simply mean in our families, in our neighborhood, in our community, in our work environment, 
you know, even in the world, should, should that be the place that you want to go and have an impact? But it just means with you know, a little bit of grit and determination to go to that place where you feel the gulp, you know? Do, do you hmm. know what I'm talking about when I say yeah. when you feel the gulp? Oh yeah, right, right in your in your gut there, which I guess now I'm looking at it is a root of gutsy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, gulp is really that scary, exhilarated feeling that you get when you're trying something that you've never done before, and usually it's that point that either we go back into our comfort zones or we move forward into into what it is that is driving us forward. What is the hunger that is pulling us forward? So I, I just say, feel the gulp and do it anyway, right? Mm. Now, when we talk about gutsy, that that is certainly not simultaneous to the word reckless, right? It's a completely different direction. Oh, it's a completely different direction than reckless. Gutsy you know, is really all about creating the intention and being on purpose you know, to what it is is um it is really about determination you know just just determination and being able to express your passion you know that's really what gutsy is all about for me mm. so i i love how you gave the example that when when you're uh when you get that gulp feeling which is really a great fantastic visual when you get that feeling you have you have a choice one of two choices either step forward or retreat backwards. And if you retreat backwards, typically it's going to be out of fear. Is that what you found working with your clients? I have definitely found that that, that is. And to be quite honest with you, it's not even a stepping back. You know, sometimes it is, Josh. Sometimes it is a stepping back. But sometimes it is just staying in the same place. Because we as human beings love to feel safe. Honest to God, we do not like change. We love our safety. We love our comfort zones. And I'm not saying comfort zones are good or bad because they're just habits that we do every day. You know, we've got some comfort zones that serve us fully, like getting up in the morning and brushing our teeth and, you know, combing out our hair. You know, that's a comfort zone. It's a habit that we have. But when a comfort zone starts to hold you back, it's when you have to examine it. You know, for example, I have a really great comfort zone of always responding to emails instead of picking up a telephone, you know, and talking to people. And sometimes that gets to be a comfort zone because as we all know, life is about building relationships, building good, good relationships for personal growth and for business development. You know, as, as you support, your whole environment is about those two things. And so it is all about being able to say to myself, okay, Pat, this is enough being on email, start picking up the phone and talking to people. And so that's when I sometimes feel the gulp. Still, after all of these years, I feel that gulp when I, when I start picking up a telephone, I have to take a deep breath and do it anyway. Mm. So I guess what, what we're evaluating here is that, correct me if I'm wrong, is part of it acknowledging consciously if and when you're in your comfort zone and okay, that's one that doesn't serve me. Like you gave the example, getting up, doing your hair, brushing your teeth, doing those habits that will serve you, but knowing the difference and saying, okay, this is one that doesn't serve me. Yeah, you got it. Absolutely. That's what it is all about. Just taking a look at what is holding you back, you know, mm -hmm. and we have all, we have all, 
all sorts of comfort zones that really hold us back from taking that little itty bitty step that we need to take to progress to the person that we are becoming, to what it is that we want to create, to even the legacy that we want to leave. You know, what hmm. I always ask myself this question, what do I want people to be saying about me when I decide to leave this earth, right? Or mm. even even down more on a day to day, what do I want these people to be saying about me when I leave this room, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it really is about that, about taking a look at what, asking yourself, is this serving me? Is are my actions serving me? You know. And sometimes, to be perfectly honest, they do. Another one of my comfort zones is I can binge on. I'm not going to name the brand, but I can binge on television, right? And I can just sit there and binge, binge, binge. And then I have to decide, okay, enough is enough, right? But sometimes, quite honestly, we need to take those breaks. We need to just sit back and separate ourselves from what is going on, you know, in, in our world. I love so much about what you just said. I want to break down a few of those points. First of all, you specifically said it's about taking those itty bitty steps. And that's such an important point because I used to fall into this trap. You see others success quote unquote and i say quote unquote because that's a whole other conversation where what you see others achieving is only part of the story it's only your interpretation of the story but more importantly it's they didn't get there by one fell swoop so like you said taking these itty bitty steps that was a, an eye-opening point for me to realize, you know, this isn't about just finding that one piece of the puzzle that's going to make all of my fear, stress, and anxiety go away. Just find the, the, the best next small step and take action, gain momentum. I love that point. And the other point I want to make is when you said that um, most of your actions are in the line of how do I want people to think about me or remember me when you decide to move forth and move on from this earth and this part of your journey? And I completely agree with that. I was reading something in a book the other day that put that into perspective and basically said, you know, truth be told, to put it bluntly, it's all going to happen. The end is going to happen for all of us, period. So you have to decide either consciously or subconsciously, perhaps, and more, more beneficial to you, plan it consciously. When that end arrives, because again, it will happen, do you want to arrive with grace and dignity as your story, or do you want to arrive with fear and concern and stress and feel broken and beaten down? Those are the two things. So I've been very recently conscious of that. I said, you know what? Life is, forget life being short. I mean, life is a nanosecond. We blink and it's over. And I, I want to live every one of my moments in the moment because I know there's no, I, I'm not guaranteed to live X many of years. Truth be told, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that puts me into the present now and, and becoming aware of that 
that end. I say I have two amazing children, a five-year-old daughter, a three-year-old son who are my everything. I am living every moment that if, God forbid, anything happens to me in any moment, I'm okay with that. Mm. Oh my God, that is so beautiful, Josh. You know, in, in my book, Gutsy Women Win, I have a quote by George Bernard Shaw that addresses exactly what you just said. May I read it? Please do. Yeah, it was, he says, I want to be thoroughly used up when I die. For the harder I work, the more I live. I rejoice in life for its own sake. Life is no brief candle for me. It is a sort of splendid torch, which I have got hold of for the moment, and I want to make it burn brightly as possible before handing it on to future generations. Mm. Isn't that? I just love that. So I, I want to be that way. I want to be thoroughly used up when I die. What a great way to put it. I want to be thoroughly used up. Some could see that as being, you know, a bit, a bit raw, but it's like, no, come on. You know how to see that. Exactly. Exactly. You know how to see that. And so, you know, sometimes when I'm faced with decisions that I have to make, which direction that I have to go into and granted life decisions are, are sometimes really, really challenging to make. The question I ask myself is, is this the best use of me? Is this mm. the best use of me? So you mentioned something just a little bit earlier about it being our choices being conscious and intentional and Yes, that's what we need to do. You know, we have to wake up to ourselves, you know, and to what is around us so we don't miss anything. You know, you have wonderful children. You certainly don't want to miss anything with your children. And I'm sure that your listeners don't want to miss anything with their families, with their loved ones, even with their animals. We just got a new puppy. And I'm like, I don't want to miss anything with this puppy. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I, I'm, I'm one who I spent decades, I never thought it was possible for me never to not live in fear, stress, and anxiety. I embodied that role for, for over four decades. And once I, you know, we all have our waking up moments and I had enough and I was ready and prepared. And so I'm a living and breathing example of it's possible to make the change up until I did. And, you know, I'm continuing to enjoy that journey, hopefully a long, long way to go and grow. But before I did, I, I never could have seen myself like this. I never knew change was possible. Do you see plenty of change when you work with clients right before your eyes? I absolutely. That's one of the things that I feel so blessed to be able to do the work that I do, that it is so true that all we need to do sometimes is just take a little baby step, right? That's, you know, where my company name Envisionaria came from. Uh, you know, I help people get, find their vision, find what it is that they, that they want to take a look at. Sometimes it's one vision, sometimes it's two, three, four, whatever. But what is it that you really want out of this one and precious life, as mm. Mary Oliver says? And so it's all about helping people find their vision, the in comes from visions are really great, but sometimes our visions seem so far away uh, that, that we lose track of them. So I encourage people every single day, be in your vision, remind yourself what, what it is and take one step 
towards your vision because sometimes those visions can be overwhelming when you look at the whole thing and then aria of course is music created for a single voice with accompaniment so as a coach you know i accompany people as they're traveling to make their vision become a reality. It, it's just so important not to sometimes let your vision overwhelm you. As you said earlier, we do that for decades. It's so big, it's so far out there, you know, oh, I'm gonna do this later and I'm gonna do this later. And then we forget about it and look back and go, what the hell happened, right? So be in it every single day, one little thing, no matter what that little thing is. So true. You have a book, Gutsy Women Win. Of course, you have Gutsy Leaders. We spoke about that word. Were you yourself always gutsy? How did you get to that, embrace that word? I was not always gutsy. Um, I, I was actually, as a young girl, I was kind of shy. I was very quiet. Um, I was, you know, raised in a family that, pretty much told me, you know, um, girls don't speak up. They remain quiet. My dad instilled in me a work ethic of keep your nose to the grindstone and you will be noticed, right? And boy, I learned a big, big lesson in that. You know, I started out in one field and then I eventually went into the business world as my work life. And, um, you know, at the time in the business world, it was pretty tough for a woman to get into leadership roles. And there was a lot of, um, a lot of discrimination against women and a lot of sexual harassment. And just to share one point, one experience that I had when I was about 29 years old, in one company that I was at, and I was a manager at the time in this company, it was very heavily male dominated. It was an electric um, utility company. And what basically happened is that we got a new senior VP and I went to introduce myself, walked into his office. He had his, his legs up on his desk, leaned back in his chair, you know, very dominant position. And I just walked in and I put my hand on and I go, hi, hi, Scott, you know, Scott, which is not his name, but hi, Scott, this is, hi, Scott, I'm Pat Ovichowski, really, you know, um, nice to meet you, how do you do? And he just laid there, didn't change his position, looked me up and down and back up again. And he said, don't you mean, who do I do? And I have to tell you, at that moment, I was stunned. I, 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 was, I didn't even know what to say. I didn't know how to address it. I didn't have the guts to be able to say to that individual, wow, that was wrong. What you said was very wrong, and you should not ever say anything like that again. And many of those types of innuendos and situations happened to me. When I, was, when I was a woman in business, younger, until I learned, I have to find my voice. I have to learn to speak up. I have to learn to say no. That is not acceptable behavior. You know? And I am the only one that sets those boundaries for me. Hmm. So that's just you know, one small example. Um, and, and my book, Gutsy Women Win, is really dedicated to women because I don't want anybody to feel that ashamed of something that was not their fault, right? Wow, so much I wanna, I wanna backtrack and connect the dots. Growing up as a young child, you, you started that, um, that era, but 
but paint the picture a little more specifically for us. What were you like as a child? What was your family and home life like? The vibe, the energy? Yeah, um, I was raised in a, in a you know, lower middle class in the city of Chicago and I'm second generation. And I had two parents who were you know, both working, blue collar workers. I had an older sister that was 10 years older and an older brother that was seven years older. So I came out. And by the time I came out, pretty much my mom and dad were kind of done with all of the kid things that, that you know, you do with your, with your first couple of children. And I learned at a very, very, very young age because my dad had an eighth grade education. My mom, I think maybe a sixth grade education. And I learned at a very young age not to ask for help when it comes to schoolwork. So I, was, I, I learned that I needed to learn things all by myself. So that's the other thing I think that, um, I don't know. We as women have a hard time doing, and that is asking for help, you know, really another thing. Hmm. But I think I was raised in a, in a pretty typical family. You know, um, the thing that I so appreciate most about my, both my parents is that they really only wanted me to be happy in my life, regardless of what my choices were. And I can tell you, there were sometimes they did not agree with my choices, but they always asked me the question, are you happy? You know, so hmm. I'm very grateful to them for that. It's so interesting because very similar to you, I'm the youngest of three sons. I know you have an older sister there, but the age ranges are, are quite similar. My older brothers are nine years and six years older than me. So there's that gap. So like, I'm, I'm like nodding along as you're saying that when I came to be, it was like, okay, and we have a third son, not the daughter they were hoping for. Uh, so put all that together and you get quirky old me who, like you, had to navigate everything by themselves and figure it out. And my parents weren't terribly uh, school educated either. Um, God bless them. And, uh, you know, and, and it sounds like a little differently for you, but I, I wasn't a student. I was not interested. I didn't care. Nobody cared around me. So I just sort of fudged my way through. Uh, so when you were then going through high school, what were the high school years like? What was your vision and uh, determination like there? Gosh, you know, I went to an all-girls Catholic high school, right? And every single year I wanted to get out. I just did not like it at all. I wanted to be in a school where boys were, of course, right? Um, but many years afterwards, I am so grateful for that education. And the more I read about schools that, you know, have are separated um, from the two sexes, especially at that age, the more I value the education that I received without having that type of competition, if you will, you know, without that having to do that typical dumb down that I think a lot of young girls do in schools um, where there are both boys and girls, perhaps not so any longer, but I still think that that is very, very applicable. And um, so I'm really, really grateful that in the end, my mom and dad kept saying no every year I would ask them, get me out of here, get me out of here. And they would say, absolutely not, no. And it also taught me a lot, and this is more in the arena of sports, um, because I was very active, um, very athletic, actually, in later grammar school and in high school and in early college. And what I loved about the sports, and I think that this too is really important, is that it does teach you to be a little bit gutsier than you normally are because it's competitive, because you 
I'm also working with a team and I think women learn so much, women and men learn so much from sports. How to be a team member, how to work with other people, how to take the lead, how to let go of the lead. So much about self-esteem and self-confidence and learning about your body at a, very, at a time when it's very, very uncomfortable to be in your body while it's growing. So those are you know, a couple of my experiences from high school. And then you graduated and college life, career life? Yeah, I, I, well, I graduated and I wanted to go into journalism. I wanted to go to war-torn countries and write the stories of people that are impacted by the war. So I applied to Northwestern University. I got in. I had a scholarship. But here's the deal. both Because both of my parents worked, regardless of their salary at that time, um, I didn't get any money from the scholarship. And Northwestern University was so far beyond my ability to pay. So I had to let go of that dream. But I have been a learner. I, I, I love to learn. It's one of my passions for myself and for others. And what happened is that I still continued to college. I went to a junior college um, because I, I paid for my own college. So I went to a junior college for two years and I did graduate with a journalism degree. Uh, and then I went to a four-year college and ended up in psychology and sociology and human behavior, which makes sense when I wanted to tell stories of, of the people that are impacted by war. And that's when I graduated and I could not find a job in that field without having a master's degree. And I had had enough of that education for a bit. So I left and the only job that I could find in the field was to work as a secretary for a therapist because I knew how to spell the words. <laughs> but needless to say, I didn't go in that direction. I ended up um, you know, working uh, for a, a big, huge accounting company at the time in Chicago. And I ended up in the business arena, and I have an amazing portfolio of careers. I was never one of those individuals who said, this is exactly what I, be, I want to be and stick to it, because I'm a learner. So give me something new, let me figure it out, let me master it, and then I'm moving on. What was your um, emotional reaction going back to, if I, if I heard the story correctly, you had your, after high school, you had your sights set on a, a journalism career. You had the dream, you had the vision, you apply, you get in, so you're jumping for joy, and then the truth sets in that there is literally no way that you can finance and pay for this. What did that do to you? I was totally devastated um at the at the time you know you're you're what 17 18 years old you have this dream of your future um you had models at that time that were writing different stories or you know that you wanted to write that you wanted to share because they emotionally moved you and i was just shattered um realizing that that wasn't a dream that was going to become a reality for me right? And yeah, I eventually got a two-year degree in journalism, but then I wanted to go on and finish college, um, mostly because I truly wanted to make my family proud of me because of my mom and dad's education. And they just said, you know, be happy, and I was happy learning. So that's why I continued on in doing that. But here's the deal. You know, People come to me a lot, Josh, and, and ask, you know, gosh, you know, what is my passion? What do I want to do? I don't know. And I point them right back to their childhood, such as you did with me, right? Point them back and take a look at what brought you joy. 
What did you love to do? What came natural to you? So writing for me since I was a little girl became natural. So here's the story because several years ago, I was having dinner with an old friend and I told her about that dream, which I hasn't shared for a while. And she said, well, why did you do it? I said, well, I'm not going to go to a war-touring country and, you know, write those stories. And she goes, well, why don't you write the stories about the people? And so she was part of the encouragement for me to get back to writing. And so my book, Gutsy Women Win, tells the stories of seven women and how they achieved a bigger game in their lives by doing the little, little, little things right? So even though it was not a dream that became a reality for me when I was a young girl, when I was 17 or 18, many years later, it has become a reality for me and now brings me such joy, such joy. There's so much, there's, there's so much to grasp onto there. Uh, Cause what do they say about like everything in, in the right timing? Right. And we take things so personally, like we we want it now. This is what I want to do. And my life or the universe or what have you isn't isn't giving me that now. But there's so much in retrospect that if you just let it be will make sense. Yes. Absolutely. You know, it's so fascinating. I work with a lot of people who feel like that, who feel like, you know, I'm not getting what I want and I'm working really, 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 really hard. And it's like, okay, so this is what you're looking at. You are not achieving this. Let's just turn the chair that you are sitting in one degree and let's look at this a little bit differently. You know, it's kind of like, this is the perspective I see. Go, go, go. Get, get, get. Success, success, success. If nothing is moving as fast as I want. We'll just turn one degree and get a little bit of a different perspective. And what's different looking from this perspective, you know, hmm. and it changes people. You, you've been described as um, unorthodox, rational, optimistic style. What in the world does that mean? <laughs> Unorthodox, rational, optimistic. All right. I have always been an optimist my entire life, without a doubt. I always attempt to find, you know, what is the truth? Where is the positive aspect? You know, knowing that what some things that are very, very critical and important and, and pressurized today, I, I won't remember by next week. I won't remember maybe even by tomorrow when I wake up with a new day in front of me. But I've always been an optimist, right? But I've been a rational optimist. I mean, I'm not a little Pollyanna, you know, that always takes a look at really the bright side. I'm really rational about my optimism. I'm realistic about my optimism. I mean, there's so many things that are going on in the world right now where uh, you just, you need to be rational. You have to have that part of you in your optimism. And unorthodox, I just don't think there's very many rational optimists. <laughs> so unorthodox really kind of means I take a look at thing and things and, and go, well, how do I want to do that differently? You know? Hmm. So really keeping continuing to do the same things over and over and getting the same results, right? <laughs> I, I I know. There's um one of your one of your other credentials is success starts today, which features you and Jack Canfield. 
America's number one success coach, and also perhaps more commonly known as the co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul series. How did you, uh, how did you hook that up? Yeah, so here's the deal on that. Um, I learned when I started my own business, uh, which I've been in my business for 17 years now, which I'm just totally amazed. I, I started putting my stake in the ground only two years. I'm just going to do this for two years. And here I am 17 years later. And what basically happened is that as I started to write my first book, Gutsy Women Whim, I started to seek the advice of professionals because I went down this rabbit hole, as learners do, this rabbit hole of doing all the research myself. I'm going to self-publish. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And it was like, wow, this is a lot of time. I need to hire some experts. So I found a group of people and I started to work with them out of the East Coast who helped me with everything related to publicity, to publishing, to marketing, to promoting your book, to how to do interviews like I'm doing with you, a wonderful group. And one of the offerings that they had was to be able to go in a small group to Jack Canfield's home for three days and get feedback, you know, from Jack Canfield and a couple other experts. Sign me up. I know, it was an amazing experience, just amazing. And you know, I found that I learned so much, not only from the input that I had on, on my specific questions, which related to how to brand Gutsy Women Whim, but also from everyone else around me because there's so many brilliant people that are around us that we need to listen to them. We need to stay awake to what they are saying. And that's how I got involved in Jack Canfield. I actually didn't even know who he was before I did this. And so I met Jack. I went back for a second time. I am certified in his Success Principles Training Company. And I'm actually going to be seeing him again in September because the book, Success Starts Today, is now an award-winning book. And that's how I got involved with Jack Hanfield. Love it. Least of which is a point you made, which is so important to reiterate. It's the fact that you knew you couldn't or shouldn't build what you're building alone. And I know I see it. I was there. I see it so often. People think entrepreneurs, business owners, oh, no, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I can't afford anybody else. I don't want anybody else. It's me. It's my vision. Nobody can do it like I do it. Nobody sees it like I do it. I say fooey. If that is actually a real word. And it's all about the collaboration with others. And that's where the magic happens. Is that true? That is true for me. I have found that out. And I, very similar to you, struggled for years, struggled doing it all by myself. As I said earlier, I, I learned how not to ask for help at a very, very young age and not to ask for help. And then all of a sudden I decided, you know what, this isn't fun for me. I am getting no joy from this. And I also found out a really big secret, Josh. You start talking about your, what it is that you wanna create. You start talking about your hunger. You start talking about your bigger game. And guess what? There are people that are out there that wanna play that same game. They just don't know how, and maybe you're the one to show them. And I have just gone out and really found these amazing opportunities for people who are willing to come along with me, you know, at, at very low fears. Some even know I'll 
give you advice, you know, yes, I will, I will be on your personal board of directors, you know, and some, of course, you need to put, put money out. But man, I tell you, that money has come back. I, I can't even tell you how many fold, but it has all been worth it, not only in the knowledge I've got, in the direction I've got, but also in the connections and the support that I get which is critical for those of us that are entrepreneurs, especially pretty much solo entrepreneurs. So the, yeah, the way I've heard it recently is be the client you want to attract. If you're tight with your money, for example, and refuse to, to spend or, dare I say, invest, you have to be the client you want to attract. Does that make sense? That makes total sense, total sense. And it's to me too, it's a little bit about modeling, how we model, how we model behavior to our clients also. Hmm. I want to go back for a minute to uh, your late 20s, early 30s, when you're in that office and you, you were face to face with Scott, not his real name. And <laughs> that was your first, uh, that was your first insight to that atrocious uh, dialogue and you said it happened more and more until you were able to like you said learn to find your voice and set boundaries so many of us in one way or another uh, me I spent years and years and years thinking I had a voice there was no voice thinking I had boundaries I knew there were no boundaries I let whatever happened happen what was the breaking point for you how and what did it look like when you found that voice and set those boundaries? I don't actually think it was a breaking point. I think it was a progression of determining what was acceptable to me and what was not acceptable to me. And I reached that point through many different ways, through many conversations with others to find out that I was not the only one that was experiencing this, not only in the company, but with other, you know, professional organizations that, that I belong to, but also doing a lot of self-exploration, a lot of work in taking a look at my life and what did I value in my life and how did I value myself? You know, that was really the big one. How did I value myself? And did I think that I was worth being respected more and being, oh, you said these words and I love them, being held by another human being with grace and dignity. And that's what, that's what I found out was very important to me. And once I got that perspective for me, once that I made that determination that I want to be respected, I want to be held with grace and dignity, that seems to be, again, progressively, it wasn't easy to speak up, but I was able to say, no, your behavior is unacceptable. And my life changed when I said that, when I started to say no more frequently, it changed significantly. And actually, I am the woman today that I never, ever imagined I would become. I literally have the chills. And I want everybody listening to rewind the last two minutes for one reason, because whether, as in Pat's case, it was verbal sexual abuse in that regard, 
I'm sure colored in a variety of ways, or whatever your specific story is, whatever it is, rewind those last two minutes. And I guarantee you, this is the reason I got the chills, is because it is applicable to you and your current scenario today. Take what Pat just said, and it will apply to whatever scenario you are going through today. It was just phenomenal. What is the mantra you live by today? <laughs> uh, the mantra that I live by today is one day at a time, one day at a time. And if it gets so hard that a day is too long, I cut it down to one hour at a time. And if that gets too long, I cut it down to just this minute, right? Because this is all I have. And I know that. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's all anybody really has is the now. And that's the, it's the mindset I'm in currently is living in the now. And uh, as you said, it's, it's, it's either about days or life is a series of individual moments. Every moment happens right now. You stack them on each other, which goes back to the theme of this episode, which is take one small step. I absolutely love that. What, looking back on your life, what advice would you give your younger self? Oh, what would I tell my younger self? Oh my gosh, there's so many things. I, I think I would tell my younger self to learn how to ask for help. That help doesn't mean that you're surrendering or that uh, you're not smart. It just means that you need more knowledge in an area that you're not knowledgeable about. So why not ask for help? I would also advise my younger self to let go of worry. Let go of worry. Because as I said earlier, you know, not only the things that we, we think we are in crisis about, we won't remember a week from now, but all of the energy that we waste in worrying about something where, in my experience, 99% of the time, it never, ever happens. So those mm -hmm. are just a couple bits of advice. Oh, yeah. And of course, get gutsy and get going. <laughs> Certainly. And I love the, the, you know, don't worry mantra only because, and, and this is what I'm learning now by studying how to live in the now and in the present moment. Worry is exclusively living in the future. That is all it's about. So the more you're able to reduce those compromising thoughts of the future stop giving it excuse or momentum or validation and you will literally not only worry less but you will rid yourself of all worry which i believe is a positive trait do you believe pat that everything happens for a reason i do i do i have found that to be so true in my life the challenge, of course, and I think you are well aware of this, Josh, is that we just don't always see the reason when things happen. But you, you know what? I've also found that sometimes 
we have to let go of the search of the reason of why something happens and just accept that happened. What have I learned from it? And what can I do maybe to change it in the future? Or do I even have any control over that? But yeah, I definitely believe that things always happen for a reason, even though we may not see them in the moment. Are you spiritual or religious in any ways today? Oh, I am definitely spiritual, especially being born and raised in a Catholic grammar school and a Catholic high school. And I eventually went back to a Catholic college. Um, yes, I am definitely spiritual. I do not believe in the formality of religion, but I do believe in a higher power. Um, again, however we want to define that. And I think that spirituality for me has a lot to do with just bringing more kindness into the world. Um, it, it is something that my mother taught me at a, at a very, very young age. Um, she was a very giving woman who gave people things that she herself could not afford to do to let go of. And so for me, that spiritual aspect is, is actually being kind, trying to make the world a, a, a nicer place for people to be in. What do you believe happens when it's all over? when our time here on earth comes to an end? Oh, I, you know, I live in that question a lot. <laughs> and when our time comes to the end of our life here on this beautiful, beautiful planet, I'm going to miss this planet a lot when I leave it. Um, I, I really like to believe, because I don't think we really know, but I like to believe that, you know, we are the whole concept of souls and that our soul lives on forever and that we will come back to this earth um, in one form or another and that we will serve our life purpose, whatever that might be, over and over and over again. How joyful that, that would be. So because it brings me joy to think that way, I think that way. <laughs> you have any fear around that time? Um, not right now. I think the only fear that I have around that time is that the end of my life is going to be, you know, long and painful and it will be an illness. I do not want to die that way. And I don't think anybody dreams of dying that way. Um, but you know, I, I'm, no, I have no fear about dying right now. Yeah, I feel I have served a purpose. There's still plenty of things that I, I want to do without a doubt. But mm -mm, right now, I'm not afraid. Leave us with one of those things. What's next? What's on your horizon there? Ah, what's next is that I am going to continue doing my work to help support women in leadership. Um, I believe and always have believed as an activist uh, and an advocate that women need to get strength in two areas. Number one, we need more money. So I truly support women in business and their work environment. And number two, we need more women in the political arena. We need legislation changed to help support women in our needs. Brilliant and beautiful. I will leave you with this one final question that we alluded to earlier on, actually. And it's this, how would you, Pat Obuchowski, like to be remembered? I would like to be remembered as a woman who was kind, a woman who was giving and cared for other people. That's it. <laughs> well, obviously, right on track. It's the gutsy woman herself. It's Pat Obuchowski. I love it. This has been 
it, it's just been fulfilling. And uh, I, I mean that in, in every way possible. Thank you, Pat, for, for, for giving us your all, for opening up with your candor and spending your time with us today. You're quite welcome. Thank you, Josh. It's been an honor and a pleasure. I really appreciate that. I appreciate you. And I appreciate everybody tuning in to this episode. I'm sure you feel amazing. I hope that it's been inspiring and dare I say a bit motivating so you can take something and go forth with it to help you change the world or change your world in any way you wish. It is possible. I'm living proof. Let's do it all together. And until we do this again, go get them. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.